Hello, and welcome to another episode of Screen Bites, our thought leader series where we learn from industry experts about the latest trends and challenges from across the conversion TV space. I'm your host, Michael Beach. Hello, this week I'm joined by Lokman Parampath. Lokman is the VP of Product Management for Advertising at Roku. In our talk, we cover the acquisition of Nielsen's advanced advertising business, along with what is ahead in the streaming decade. Please enjoy my conversation with Lokman Parampath. All right. Well, Lokman, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for the invite, Michael. Great to be here. Uh, we'll start off with an icebreaker uh, that we ask all our guests. Um, you know, what was your first job and kind of what lessons did you take away from it that you applied to your career? Uh, interesting question. Good first question. Uh, let me start with, uh, with where I went to school then. You know, when I was, as a kid, I was a bit of an academically oriented kid from school. You know, loved solving problems, uh, math and such, you know, somewhat nerdy subjects. Not, not really much of a tinkerer of tech or gadgets, but, you know, liked video game, software, coding, and so on. So ended up doing an undergrad in engineering before I moved to the US. And one of my first jobs in the US was to work as an engineer uh, for a company where my focus was on writing algorithms to improve audio quality for internet phones, you know, voice over IP software. This was this was way before you had a broadband everywhere and internet calling was, you know, riddled with bad audio quality. At least some of us would be uh, would wrong with that. Hopefully, you know, it is way better now. Uh, as you can hopefully experience from this from this call, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that the audio experience of this call is nothing like what it was, you know, 20 years ago. So that's that was my, uh, you know, really my first true job, uh, and and it was a small scrappy company that I worked in, uh, and it was during the during the around the time of the big dot com crash 20 years ago, right? So so bunch of lessons from there that automatically came. You know, the big lesson for me that I often used after that in my career was to was to whatever we do professionally, right? You know, you could really work really hard, but it, your impact can be amplified substantially if you can see trends and catch them on time, you know? Uh, so if you can actually f- f- forecast uh, market trends and pick up a company where you work in, where your effort can be multifold amplified, that's, that'll be, that, that's great. So kind of, kind of being very surgical in where you work for is always, it's always very important. I mean, another, Another key learning that I use uh, from those days is also about playing to your strengths. Uh, you know, I'm, I have everybody has strengths and weaknesses, but we shouldn't dwell too much on our weaknesses. Just just make it work on it so that it is not too debilitating. But continue to work on your strengths so that you can truly provide value to where you work. Right? You can you can be truly a standout performer if your strengths are almost unmatched. Yeah, I love that. Um, absolutely. Uh, how how did you go from? Uh, from there to get into the conversion TV space. Yeah. So after that, uh, you know, one of my first job as a product manager, and I, I consider myself, you know, basically a product manager, loves building products, a builder at heart, uh, very, very uh, a tech leader who likes to who likes to spend time with products. One of my first product, true product jobs was when I was also responsible for, uh, you know, monetizing websites at uh, in a company in LA. And the primary way you monetize websites is, you know, is through, uh, is through advertising. And uh, this is how I started learning about advertising technology, you know, ad serving, programmatic, the data and algorithms that go into making sure you see the right ad, the, the relevant ad, uh, you show the rele- most relevant ad to the right consumer at the right time, right? All of the all of the brains that go into digital advertising today. So I spent a lot of time on that and that's how I got into ad tech. And within ad tech, I spent a lot of, you know, increasingly I spent quite a bit of time around on display, digital, mobile, and then over, over time onto, onto video. Uh, and when I was working on you know, video advertising a few years ago, I spent a lot of time on 
linear addressability and how linear ads or linear advertising is still very different from digital. And so when Roku was building out a team on connected TV six years ago for focusing on advertising and monetization of the Roku platform, I had the good fortune of landing a job here. So it's been it's been six years now at Roku where I've been focusing on uh, connected TV. I was like I said, connected TV was as bullish about connected TV at that point in time because of the work I've done on, uh, you know, ad tech and addressable TV for some time. And I did see connected TV as the true end state for TV uh, advertising on TV. You know, our belief generally is all TV will be streamed and all TV advertising will be streamed. And I, I did believe in that longer term vision that this is a great opportunity long time. Yeah, obviously, the the past six years, um, it's been really exciting to watch, you know, Roku lay the groundwork for uh, the future TV advertising and, and, uh, you know, one kind of you know, monster deal that our community has been really interested in was the uh, acquisition of the advanced TV operations from Nielsen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, would you mind giving our community kind of a, a background on the deal and where you kind of see that moving forward? Yeah. Absolutely, Michael. Yes. We recently announced that we acquired Nielsen's advanced video advertising business. The, the deal was signed six weeks ago. It actually closed yesterday. So happy to announce that we, we closed that deal too, uh, which, which includes uh, a few things. One is Nielsen's video ACR and one is their video DAI technologies. So I'll, I'll talk a bit about both of those. Right? ACR, what ACR is automated content recognition. It is the capability for us to actually enable, uh, enable the tech on Roku TVs and we have enabled that. Nielsen was a partner for our ACR tech for quite some time. And what it lets is it lets us with user consent and after getting user opt-in, we can actually collect uh, you know, information about viewership on Roku TVs that can be used to power recom- better content recommendation, you know, better uh, op- options for them to uh, show content, show, show movies, show TV shows to the user, and also you know, promote better advertising to the user, right? So we use that quite a bit in our uh, content and ad recommendation platforms. And so this acquisition will, will bring some of that tech in-house, number one. Secondly, we, Nielsen has been investing quite a bit in their digital ad insertion technology, uh, which which we will now own and will and the acquisition will now accelerate our launch of an end-to-end dynamic ad insertion solution, which which effectively is the ability to replace linear ads uh, in on traditional TV. And when I say traditional TV, that is TV that you watch uh, over broadcast or your cable setup box. You know those ads that you watch which are not very targeted, not typically very relevant, you and your neighbor probably sees the same ad on traditional TV on the same channel. We can make it, you know, targeted to a particular household based on based on who's, you know, based on who's living there, income and so on and so forth. So we make sure that, you know, a person who is, uh, who is uh, single uh, does not necessarily see and, and, and is in a single household does not necessarily see an ad for Pampers or baby products and so on, right? So that kind of targeting available in digital ad tech can now be available in uh, linear advertising uh, with DAI. So that's the, that's the goal, that's the vision behind it. And, and we believe that this, is, this will represent a, you know, a substantially, uh, Im- substantial improvement for traditional TV. It provides additional revenue opportunities for programmer ad sales team now who can now sell addressable advertising and the data targeting and measurement that marketers want, right? So this is this is the goal here. And once fully integrated, marketers will be able to buy audiences seamlessly across TV streaming and traditional TV on Roku. 
Yeah, it's obviously a huge deal for the the entire industry. And uh, another area I think you talked about recently is you know how connected TV is really the um, one of the only media forms that is effective at all parts of the funnel. Uh, and I think that you know we still find today that uh, you know there are people focused on you know top of funnel or bottom of funnel uh, metrics, uh, but really that you know an ad format like video on a connected TV uh, can really impact all those. Kind of give, kind of provide your thoughts on that. Yeah, that, that, that is how we do look at Connected TV and it's resonated well in the market that it is, it is truly a medium for the, the entire marketing funnel, right? Like I said, Roku was founded with the belief that the future of all TV will be streamed, which also means that all TV advertising will be streamed. So CTV is uniquely positioned, like we just said, in the sense that it is the only media that can be effective across the marketing funnel. It brings the, it brings the best of traditional TV, the branding capabilities of traditional TV, sight, sound, and motion to the advanced uh, one is to one targeting measurement and performance of digital and display TV because it is all internet connected, right? So if you look at it, marketers are already familiar with the performance marketing uh, in, from other digital channels, display ads, social, banner, they are very familiar with it. But as they try to expand from those channels, especially to something like streaming and TV, streaming offers the marketers that their attribution tools and the opportunity that they've historically had around targeting and measurement onto onto television onto television via streaming right and that is that is ultimately the story here combining the precision and reach of digital with the visual beauty of tv streaming effectively offers the best of digital and, and tv and typically streaming audiences are highly engaged and very receptive to the ads that they see as long as it's you know relevant and ad load is reasonable and the experiences is keeps the consumer consumer feedback in mind so we have already, we see a lot of advertisers who say they've found that the ROI from streaming ads is higher than what they even get from social media. Well, your earlier point about, you know, the belief um, that all all TV will be streamed, therefore all advertising will be streamed, um, probably explain most of this, but as you look forward, kind of with that worldview in mind, um, where do you think the, the connected TV uh, ad ecosystem has the most room to grow? Yeah. I, mean, I would I would talk about two two big points here in terms of room to grow, and there are probably others where I'll cover cover two of that I think are are areas where connected TV has unique and distinct advantages, and that's where the gro- that's how the growth will be uh, funneled. Uh, one is as CTV is very fragmented, identity will be an important ingredient to get the ad experience right on TV uh, on connected TV. I mean, we believe you know that the challenges you may have heard of the, the challenges to third party cookies and mobile ident- identifiers. I just I just did a uh, session at uh, Ad Week today, just talking about identity in streaming and and the benefit of having a first party direct relationship with the consumer at scale is the most effective way in which you can solve for the problem of identity in uh, in ad tech today. And and connected TV offers that. You know, Roku, for instance, is a is a hundred percent logged in experience where every consumer logs into Roku. Uh, and that offers us a deterministic way to reach that consumer and build an identity capability that is more accurate, more precise, and ultimately can provide better ROI for the for the marketer. So what what this effectively offers, if I may go a little deeper, is uh, it it offers a platform like ours or large connected TV platforms to build a reliable household identifier that does not need 
stitching together of IDs from different publishers and advertisers. This is what many others often do. And so that advantage plays out, you know, very strongly for a large platform like ours that have a first party direct relationship with the consumer. So that's an area where connected TV will grow around identity and the capabilities around uh, around building uh, deterministic uh, identity to improve, uh, to better improve reach for our uh, marketers, to create better experiences for consumers across different touch points so that they don't see the same ad from uh, from one uh, one platform or one channel to the other and so on. So that's that's one. Another area I will talk, uh, I, I wanted to highlight was the was the innovation in connected TV around new ad formats. We do think, you know, streaming or CTV is uniquely suited to go beyond traditional 15 and 30 second video spots. You know, we do sponsor, at Roku, we do sponsored experiences, interactive ad formats. You know, we recently released an ad format where you can promote a brand when a user pauses on content in the Roku channel, which is our own ad supported channel. So these kind of new ad experiences are ways in which uh, brands can talk to the consumer in a, at a point where it is you know, less disruptive, more innovative than your 15 and 30 second spots. And we also launched uh, you know, recently a brand advertising studio, which is our way of you know, uh, looking at ways to expand into branded content and creating further new ad experiences that leverages our home screen access uh, and ultimately make sure that when a brand is touching a user, it is doing it in an innovative way that works for the consumer too. Yeah, I kind of wonder, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to get your feedback on, uh, you know, it's pretty early in the process, but Roku started to expand out beyond the United States. Um, and, you know, as we look at Netflix, you know, one of the things that's been, you know, extremely impressive is to watch a, a company like that at global scale, right, with the content they're doing. And, you know, we really have never seen a company in the TV space, uh, but again, having that first party login and, and relationship, uh expand globally. And I, and my personal thought is that that's something the market just really can't comprehend yet, right? That, how big that could possibly be. As you're, I know you're kind of early in the process, but what are the challenges of expanding globally? Oh yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. International is a big focus area for us. And I think you've been very public about it. We are looking at other markets and to go into, we are available in Canada. We are available in UK. We have entered LATAM. There are new markets that uh, we will be entering in, and an international is a big focus area for us. The challenge is obvious. It starts with content. Ultimately, we want to create an experience. We want to make sure that we have the right library of content to, to engage users, to drive users to spend more time on the platform, right? So that is that in, 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 uh, uh, in markets where we are, it, is, it starts with getting the right set of content. And many of our partners are global partners. They do work reasonably well, but there is also a need for really, you know, differentiating local content in those markets. And that's an area we are putting more focus on. In markets where we are not there yet, it's also about, you know, getting devices out there, right? So what is our right strategy? Do we go, do we go with the TV operating system licensing model that we've historically done where we license our operating system to TV OEMs and get into those, get into those markets and so on. So I think the question is, is different depending on the market too. They're all very different. I mean, Western Europe is somewhat similar to the U.S., but if you go, go beyond that, the markets are very different. Uh, and, and the monetization potential is also very different. So we need, to, we need to factor all of that in as we pick the markets to go to. But no doubt about it, internationalists, we, are, we have seen a lot of great growth in the U.S. Uh, uh, the last publicly announced number was 51.2 million active accounts for us, uh, heavily, heavily, on the, heavily coming from the U.S. But we expect... Uh, the the next wave of the next big wave of growth for us to come from international. 
Yeah, I think that'll, that'll be something our, our community definitely will watch because uh, you know, my thought is that you look up five to ten years from now and you see, uh, you know, if you execute any any new way similar to how you have in North America outside of it, again, it'll just be a company that you know we really haven't seen before mm-hmm. uh, with scale. And I think you know, Netflix is a good proxy for that in the you know on the the content side that you know no one could you know ten years from now really could you know when you when you looked at the company it was hard to place. The probably the proper value on it for that reason. Right. No, completely agreed. I mean, like I said, our 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 ambition and aspiration is you know all TV will be streamed, and we want Roku to be the the underlying OS streaming all of those TVs. And when we say that, we mean it globally. Kind of uh, you know, touching on the content question. You know, another big announcement um, was the acquisition of, of Quibi's content uh, recently. How does uh, you know the big question obviously going around is original content. Uh, is this more of an experiment, or a? Are we, is this something we should expect to see more of uh, moving forward? Uh, you know, kind of any background on that would would be uh, would be great. Yeah, I mean, as as the number one TV streaming platform in America, I mean, we have grown because we offer great content choices at a great value to our users, right? So we know there is significant demand for compelling ad-supported content or AVOD content, and so we want to continuously add new choices to the platform. The Roku channel has done spectacularly well for us. We launched it almost four years ago for free ad-supported content, and you have seen the growth of that ad-supported content vertical across the space, right? So we believe the we believe the opportunity to view new compelling content from leading creators will be appealing to a broad range of TV viewers. And for those who are drawn to uh, channels like the Roku channel to watch such new and exclusive content, you know, we also feel like this is an opportunity to get them in the Roku channel more and discover other great content while they are there. So, so the thinking is definitely on the, along the lines of, you know, as the Roku channel scales, it will enable us to be more creative and, and uh, expansive in sourcing cost-effective content, which is, which is what is happening. It is really scaling very, very fast. And that is giving us the, the flexibility to go source better and you know, differentiated content. And so we want to continue to ensure that our content uh, and as we do that, we want to continue to ensure that our content spend fits our almost overall AWOD economic model and our scale. So broadly, that's how we how we look at it. And from an advertiser perspective, it's also a fantastic opportunity to reach an engaged audience through such broad through through such brand safe content that has broad appeal. So the more relevant the content is for a larger audience of our users the more appealing it will be for our advertising partners. So that's the, that's the flywheel effect we, continue, we want to continuously uh, keep generating. Great. Well, as you look out you know, five to 10 years um, in the, the kind of video space, what do you expect your customers to keep doing, start doing, and stop doing? Yeah. I mean, the, the five years is a long time. The market moves very, very quickly nowadays. But yeah, nevertheless, it's, 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 a, it's a great question. Uh, you know, what happened last year was right with the with 2021 and the pandemic. It just supercharged the growth of TV streaming faster than even we predicted. You know, and we believe that growth will continue. Some of those changes are structural. It's not they're not gonna they're not gonna be switched off. You know, it's like it's like it's like uh, it's, it's not it's not like a uh, tap where you can uh, turn it on and turn it off. Once on, it stays that way. These are the structural changes that have happened. So they so consumers are saving dollars now getting access to an immense catalog of great content and uh, gaining an overall more easy and seamless viewing experience. So, so we do think, you know, traditional TV is, will continue to reach only all, you know, older audiences increasingly and will no longer reach younger mass audiences. And it will stay very, very 
expensive. So our general thinking is that the acceleration into streaming in the next five years will will be this this will be the streaming decade basically, right? This is the decade when all all most viewing will move into move into streaming and that acceleration will continue. And we have seen that, you know, we have seen that since last upfront, uh, you know, marketers' investment in TV streaming has accelerated. Roku is America's number one TV streaming platform. We work with 90% of the top ad age advertisers and the largest six agency holding companies all closed upfronts with Roku and more than double their investments, you know, year over year. So these are all signals and signs in, in the way in which advertising spend is uh, moving. And another trend, mostly from an advertising perspective, is also the growth in programmatic. We expect programmatic to grow in connected TV and follow a path not completely dissimilar to digital. There will be there will be some some differences, but it will become increasingly programmatic and automated. There will be unique capabilities that programmatic platforms will have to build. Uh, and, and we invested in, you know, one view, which is our demand side platform, our, our ad buying platform specifically for streaming with unique capabilities that only we can offer to our advertiser partners, to our marketer partners. So we believe programmatic is a definitely a big growth area. And you will see more and more CTV spend move programmatic in the next next five years. And the other areas I briefly touched about this, touched about this in my last response is new ad formats and new ad experiences. They will become, they will continue to evolve and you will see you know, new ways in which a brand can touch a user uh, and still continue to create a great experience for the user. And you will see more and more of media budgets move in the direction of these innovative ad experiences. Uh, well, is there any area that you know we haven't talked about that you think uh, is a kind of key area we should be uh, focusing more on? I don't think so. I, th- I, th- I think we covered the broad market landscape. Uh, you know, uh, importance of content, growth in programmatic. No, I think I think we covered a lot of the good topics we wanted to touch on. Great. Well, we'll get you out of here on one more uh, that we kind of ask our whole community and all our guests here. Uh, if you could get your whole team to read one book right now. Uh, what book would that be and, and why? Yeah. The book I'm reading right now, which is actually an excellent book, and that would, the, that would be the one I would recommend, is, is a book called 10 Lessons for a Post-Pandemic World from Fareed Zakaria. I don't know if you've known Fareed Zakaria. He's on CNN and, and uh, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, uh, on Sunday, there's a show called uh, Global Public Square with a lot of content around uh, what is happening in the world. There is a very international outlook that that he brings in, and this is uh, this is an excellent read for anybody who's interested in how things will change post pandemic, especially as we're coming to the end of the hopefully the end of the pandemic here and moving past it. He has some great insights into how how government and technology and media and society will evolve, and how we can be a, a better uh, better community, better uh, you know uh, better as a species overall. Uh, with the learnings that we can take from what what is one of the most you know seminal events in our in our in our, in, in our lifetimes the the pandemic so it's an excellent book 10, 10 lessons for a post pandemic world oh, that's a great recommendation and, and uh, love love the show on Sundays um, Lokman I appreciate it. I'm I'm grateful for your time and I, I know our community is going to uh, uh, really enjoy this talk cool thank you thanks a lot Michael again for the invite all right thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Screen Bites. I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. You can find out more about CrossGreen Media at crossgreenmedia.com. And please don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter, Stay to the Screens. You can find us on social media at CrossGreen Media. Join us next time for more insights and analysis straight from the experts.